Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. On today's show, we have Paul Williams. Paul is a big person uh, locally in the music scene, music promotion scene. He's kind of been around in various incarnations, which we'll talk about. Uh, he's become quite popular lately, and we'll get into why uh, with some shows that he's been putting on. It's gotten some national attention. Uh, he showed up today with a GBH shirt, shirt, which automatically right off the bat, I love him for that. Um, so thank you so much for coming by. Sure. I'm glad to be here. Stoked. I love your little, this uh, little podcast. It's my little hole. Yeah. It's very cozy in here. It makes me feel uh, like I'm hanging out with my friends. Well, you are. So there we go. So did you come over from Pinellas or are you in Hillsborough? I came over from St. Pete. Whereabouts? Uh, Central Oak Park. Okay. Straight straight in the center. Are you a St. Pete veteran or is that... uh, Am I a veteran? Or were you born there originally? Did oh, you, my friend. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, no, no. I'm from, I'm from Indiana originally. Oh, okay. How did you find your way from Indiana to Florida? Um, well, I decided it was time to leave, and I just took all my – I got rid of all my stuff, sold my house, jumped in my truck, and drove down to Florida. And I ended up in the Keys for like six ah, months. Okay, yeah. And then – That makes sense. The keys and I found my way here. Yeah, throwing everything away, jumping in your car and driving to St. Pete. I was, I was wondering how that would have come to pass. But keys that makes more sense. So skipping ahead there. So Indiana, how were you? Big family, small family, huge, really. Family. Yeah. Okay. How many brothers? How many sisters? Uh, two brothers, but but I mean, just family wise, eight. My mom had seven brothers and sisters, so eight gazillion cousins, cousins. all their kids, and then. And they and everyone stays in touch, so you know family get-togethers are pretty large. big, big ordeals. Yeah. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad was in construction, plastering okay. up in Indiana. Yeah, all right. Is what I did too originally. Okay. What about mom? Uh, mom worked for her brother who owned a dental lab, and he made teeth, and she delivered them. She delivered teeth. She delivered your. That's kind of cool. Your false teeth, yeah. I dig it. So we got Ann Mansfield, who's a mutual friend, and she delivers body parts, and your mom used to deliver teeth. So I never put that together before. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Um, So uh, was it a musical household? Was music played in the house? Were your brothers playing instruments? How did how did you kind of get the bug originally? So uh, that my dad's side of the family musicians as far back as I even know of. Really? Like uh, my great-grandmother, who I did know, but she died when I was maybe seven, was a uh, lounge singer, okay. piano player. Okay. And uh, then my grand, my grandpa, my dad's dad, and his brothers had a big band in the 1940s, and they were very, uh, <clears throat> very popular in that part of Indiana. Um so performance and, and performers was yeah. your family was just replete with them. Yeah, and my dad was my dad learned to play drums in my grandpa's big band, and then my dad had a, a country band from for I want to say thirty five years. Oh my god! Recently stopped playing it. Really? Yeah. Oh wow! So you you had the full <laughs> experience. So were there instruments laying around the house? 
No, no, no. My dad didn't get back into drums again until after I grew up. Was there music playing in the house? Did, uh, All the time. Yeah. What was it? Was it everything or was when it I was, specific? When I was little, it was, it was 50s rock and roll. Okay. But. Chuck Berry? Yeah, that's that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but then by the time I was a teenager and forever on out after that, it's like Hank Williams Sr. Right. That's the number one. Well, that's kind of the, the, the litmus test or the primer. That's the, you know. It all things kind of flow from there, right? Yeah, and if you couldn't, if you can't drunkenly sing Hank around the campfire, I think you're kicked out of the family. Well, I mean that's a good rule. I like I like it. So you come from a a country background, kind of, kind of, yeah. When did when did other types of music enter your 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 world? High school? I mean, in high school, uh, are you getting into that? Okay, before that, my first my first concert, I was 11 years old. It was Kiss. A good first concert. It was good. We what album? What are we are we looking at? Um, I want to say. Oh God! It was a. They were out of makeup. Okay. Um, Do you remember who opened? Unfortunately, oh. it was Ted Nugent. Oh, <laughs> but that was. That was before we knew was, he was a predator and then all the other things. Well, we just thought he was a prick for other reasons than, yeah, than yeah. <laughs> and then he was also a predator and all that. Yeah. So, uh, and that was up in Indiana? That was up in Indiana. Now, were you in bands at all in high school? Oh, yeah. And, and tell me about those. Do you remember kind of what they were, what they were called, what type of music it was? <laughs> I always love first band names because they're bands. pretty embarrassing. Yeah. My first band was called Gordon's Cross. And Gordon's Cross. Gordon's Cross. And, and, and it was a punk rock band. Okay. And it was, you know, it was the eighties. So at, at the time, everyone was really focused on the threat of Russia and nuclear war. Right? Every, everybody was talking about Reagan. Everybody was named Reagan or had Reagan right. in their lyrics or on their concert posters. Yeah, some of the best music ever came out yeah. then because of our crappy politics, right? Like now. Which, how did that not happen this time? I mean, I guess maybe it well, is, it, but it is starting to happen. Maybe in retrospect, it will be bigger than it seems right now, but I'm wanting, you know, I'm looking around for We're drowned out by all the other noise, all the other bullshit. Yeah. Right? So, uh, Gordon's cross explain to me that name. Oh, so Gordon was an imaginary, uh, high school janitor. Okay. That survived the Holocaust and came to rule over all the mutants. And who, who was this your uh, doing? Me, or? me and my friends. So you guys kind of had a, a, a fictional yeah, we had kind a of fictional. story. Yep. It was all a concept of, album. It was a concept band. Yeah. All of us were like 16 or 17, except for we had this one kid on guitar that was really good and he was only 12. Okay. Well, that's okay. Uh, You're like the reverse of uh, the uh, Descendants who had like the guy that was like 30 years older than the rest of them playing bass. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. So did you guys play like people's garages, play at parties? Did that first band just like a couple of parties and that was that was all that ever came out of it. And what and spot did you hold down? What were you? The guitar? I'm a, I'm a drummer. Drummer. Okay. I just hang around musicians, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love drummers. I well, it's cool because I was just talking to Woody yesterday and obviously I've had Nowicki in here and uh, Keith in here. Rob won't come in here because Rob's if Rob Sexton's afraid he's gonna say something that's going to get him in trouble, but oh, well, I'll that's just, what, that's talk. what editing's for. Yeah. I'll just talk about it, but there's no editing here. He's also, but he's never afraid of that any other time. <laughs> I guess. Have you seen him lately? 
Yes. He's like yes, I am. he's like a wisp. Yes. Uh, he, when I first met him, he was a formidable presence. And now he's just this little, you know, goth kid over in the corner. Um, <laughs> I'm going to tell him you call him a goth You kid should. Well, that's, that's what I do. I've had Frank on here. I had Joe on here. And we just talk shit about Rob all the time. Right. <laughs> so anyway. So, all right. So what comes after Gordon's Cross? Like musically? Yeah, for you. For me, what are some of the, or at least what are some of the big ticket items along the way for your? I had a uh, a college band called okay. Jesus Squid. Oh, I like it, and uh, kind of like Jesus Lizard, but different. And the closest brush uh, that that band had to anything of significance, besides playing some shows in the college quad or whatever, was a uh, uh, one of our guitar players was a roadie for uh, the Rollins Black Flag. Oh, wow. So he had some... That's pretty badass. Funny, funny I'm surprised stories. that Rollins Black Flag ever had a roadie. It seemed like they could barely afford to have a car. Oh, he was a volunteer roadie. Like, you know, right. <laughs> he's just the... Just, I'll go with you. Yeah, he's going to get in the van with the rest of them. That's pretty cool. And his, his comments on that journey were... Uh, uh, he said that Rollins was a really nice guy unless you interrupted him while he's working out. Yeah. Well, well, Rollins is <laughs> Rollins is on the spectrum for something anyway. I mean, he's a different character. I mean, even at his old age, he's calmed down a little bit, but he's still a pretty, you know, I don't know if you've listened to any of his intense, more intense, intense guy. Yeah. Definitely intense. But I mean, he's, you know, he's sworn off significant others. He kind of doesn't spend any money unless it's on vinyl speakers or traveling. You know, he's likes going to the worst parts of the world and taking pictures. And he's just kind of, you know, he's he's figured out a way to live a healthy life despite whatever demons he's fighting with. So, yeah, um, but those that, people are made of different stuff. For sure. For sure. <laughs> so when you were playing in college, was that still in Indiana? That was. What was the Indiana, was there an Indiana scene? Was there a, you know, oh, yeah, a, man. what was the Indiana scene like? Oh, man, there's a huge punk rock scene. In Tell me about it. Um have you ever heard of the Zero Boys? Sure. They're, yeah. They're from Indianapolis. Okay. Um, Sloppy Seconds. Okay. So that was like big stuff All in right. the 80s. Um, I've even seen other bands from up there come down here touring. Like, uh, I bet you've heard of um, uh, the Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. I'm not. They're not punk rock. Okay. They are blues. Okay. But they're... <clears throat> Not traditional blues in the in the traditional sense, and they're very very popular in that scene. Like they tour all over the world. That's time. one of the greatest yeah. gifts of this show is it's created this kind of <clears throat> bibliography or playlist of things to check out that I wasn't aware of. I have Gabe Ejizabel in here all the time. Who do you know, Gabe? No, he writes he writes uh, music columns for Creative Loafing. He used to own or, or work at one of the old record stores. It's not there anymore down in South Tampa. Uh, but he also, if you're friends, if you're not friends with him, you should be on Facebook because daily he posts like rock trivia and he just knows everything about everything. And so he's been on the show about four or five times. And every time he comes on, he introduces me to something I didn't know about or teaches me about something I didn't know about. So I I like like those guys. I'm I'm bad at trivia on the spot. Like you put me on the spot. If we're just having a conversation and I'm not on the spot, that's different, but. Make sure you link up with him because it's always worth it. We just had, he was in here earlier this week and we always pick a theme and earlier this week was women and rock and punk. And so we went through, 
kind of the history of girl groups and right. female front men and all this other stuff. And, you know, most of them I knew about a couple of them. I didn't, and I was pretty happy that I picked PJ Harvey and he missed her. So I was kind of, <laughs> I felt like I, you know, I had some street cred there, but anyway. you know, you know what famous musician dudes are like the, probably the most insane at being able to answer the most obscure music trivia, like, who was the bass player on this one track on this obscure Motown record in 1967 or whatever? Mm. The dude's from Ween. Oh, really? Yeah. Those guys. I, I got into, <laughs> I got into them very early. It was funny because I can remember there was a, I, I used to, when I was a kid, I would religiously get Rolling Stone and Spin. And Spin always had this in the front of the magazine. It was like people to look out for. And I remember whatever issue it was that I looked at was, Pavement and Ween were the two bands to look out for. And this was literally like, you know, the pod and um, Slanted and Enchanted or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I got in relatively on the ground floor. I mean, I didn't live in their town, so I didn't see it. But I mean, literally the first albums that they put out, I went and got. So I've been with them the whole time. And then, you know, I've... uh, Dean Ween's got his solo project now. And then Aaron Freeman, Gene Ween, he's got his... Freeman thing, which I really I dig. I haven't heard that thing. I heard the I'll, other one. I'll have to send it to you. He's got this, uh, there's got this song. It's a, uh, there was a time I p- couldn't play my guitar like a man. I love that song. And it's, okay. it's, it's still tongue in cheek like Ween, but it's a little bit more musically, you know, it, it dialed in. But, uh, in any event, not to get too far off topic, but one of my favorite things about Ween is have you ever seen, uh, their cover of All of My Love from the Chicago concert? Mm, I'm going to send that to you too. No, I like it better than the original version of that song. So them doing Zeppelin is better than Zeppelin for me, at least in that show. It's, it's awesome. But I, I didn't know they were music nerds. They, they, yeah, they like, uh, sometimes in Rolling Stone, Rolling Stone will interview people that claim to be music nerds and they'll ask them like 20 really obscure, really hard yeah. questions. Yeah. And then one time I, I saw them do it, do it with the, I think it was, I don't I think it was both the guys from Ween, Gene and Dean Ween. But, yeah. Uh, uh, they were the only ones to get all 20. <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, if you look at their catalog of music, it's covered such a vast, you know, diorama of music. I mean, they've had a country album, they've got, you know, Zappa, like just craziness, exactly. but they can shred too. And then Mickey Maldonado, who's Dean Ween, he's got the Moist Boys, which is like a hardcore metal band, which is pretty interesting. And, yeah. you know, Freeman, his first, his first album, you'll know who this is. I can't remember who it is, but his first album that he did solo was a cover of an artist who I'm sure you'll know. I can't, I, I might even look it up while we're talking, but it's just all covers of that person. So, but anyway, I did see Ween once and it was one of the best shows I've ever been to in my life. Oh, I can only imagine. It was in a bar yeah in seattle in 1994 because i lived in seattle for like two and a half years during the kind of the end of the whole grunge thing winding down so 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 you're in indiana and then you go to seattle or what's your first move from indiana my first move from indiana was going to seattle okay well was that because of the grunge scene seattle via homelessness in portland homelessness in olympia some homelessness in seattle and then Let's talk about because because you'll you'll you're not the first or even the third person who I've had on the show who spent a portion of their life homeless. So I'd be interested to kind of hear your experiences there, because 
it's it's different things for different people. Um, I, I even I don't know if you've ever seen the Pixies documentary. It's loud, quiet, loud. That's on yes. YouTube. So Frank, Frank Black talks about being homeless for a little bit, but it wasn't like that he was destitute. It's just he moved and didn't have plans set out yet. And so he ended up just not having a place to call his own for a while. And it, he yeah. kind of reminisces on it romantically, but I'm sure it's different things for different I, people. I don't reminisce on it romantically. Was it forced <laughs> upon you? Was it kind of a it wasn't mistake? forced upon me. I just, you know, was growing up out in the country in Indiana and I knew that that wasn't for me. Right. And that I needed to find another way and I wanted to escape poverty and everything else that I was in. So, uh, took off and went to Seattle with no money, no nothing. Had a friend out there that I, that I crashed with on the weekends when I was first, I had a friend in, in Olympia that I was crashing with on the weekends, but I was going two and a half hours South okay. to work in Portland. I was working in my, living in my car while I worked in Portland for a week. I was living at the Burnside skate park. Oh, wow. Which is inside a bunch of the, like, Tony Hawk Pro sure. video yeah, games yeah. and stuff. And this was about two years after they poured the first cement at Burnside. Were you a skater? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Started out as a BMXer, but then. Well, that, so, I, how old how old of a guy are you? Just turned 50. Okay, so you're, we're within five years of each other. Well, there was definitely a time in the 80s where you kind of were both a skater and a BMXer. I mean, those yeah. two things existed kind of side by side. Yeah. Um, so what year were you out in Seattle or what, what time frame were you out there? 93 through 95. So Nirvana's already broke. Soundgarden's already broke. Alice in Chains have already broke. Melvin's are already around. Um, I was there when Kurt Cobain killed himself. Were you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Were you a big Nirvana guy? Um, I wouldn't say I was a big Nirvana guy. Like, I would, you know, I had Bleach before yeah. Smells Like Teen Spirit right. broke and all that stuff. So I knew who they were. And then, you know, we were all, oh, they're too commercial now. And, and you know, because we we're young. and That's what you do when you're And young. that's what you do. And yeah. you realize that actually they're not commercial. What happened was their stuff suddenly became really popular on right. accident. Yeah. <laughs> you know, good for them. Yeah. yeah. It's so funny how that happens. Like, <laughs> well, so I was talking to Frank and Joe from uh, slop reality and they were talking about when green day punk, how all the records, you know, all the, music you know producers all the big companies that you know they were looking for the next green day so literally like they didn't care what you sounded like if you just fit a profile they'd write you like a one or two album contract and so all these bands that like maybe hadn't had a release or barely ever played anywhere all of a sudden we're getting these huge record contracts because they were prospecting yeah. to find the next green day and i know that very similar with nirvana and things and, like that and say what you want about whatever nirvana did but they they annihilated cock rock right off of the radio. Yeah. Yeah. They wiped it from the radios of the world. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And you know, I haven't seen anything like it since. Have you? Well, this is a, that's a good, maybe that's a good topic for us to get into. <laughs> so uh, I have had this conversation with Rob Sexton and some other people before about what, what was the last punk rock? And I think rap or hip hop music was probably the last punk you know, hip hop's definitely where a lot of the innovation happens today. That's for sure. Well, and also more a, a, a danger to it or a no, no, yeah. You the, know what I'm saying? No, but, I totally agree with that. But is there anything that after that, or is there even the possible? Like, I don't even know what that could look like. I mean, I by extension, you kind of have these 
shoegazer, you know, pill, pill wrapper, all these little something or others that are on YouTube and they have a, you know, big following. They don't really put out any albums, but there's a lot of, like, is it Little Peep or who's the guy that overdosed not too long ago? I don't know. Are you talking about like mumble rap? Or mumble something? rap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Have we exhausted dangerous music? Is there dangerous music out there? Do you think there's the potential to have dangerous music again? Oh, for sure. Do names especially, come to mind? Especially, or? especially with this crappy as the world is right now and it like seems to get crappier right but you know well there's the message part of it then there's the <laughs> the sound of it and then there's the kind of the ingenuity of it so i'm wondering what new ground and dangerous music would look like um well um who's that who's that that guy that got all the the uh conservatives in a big uproar because he gave a lap dance to satan who's that guy I don't know who that is, but I got to yeah, have no, him on the show. About the, rap, the rapper guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is he the one who put like an ounce of like blood? A, he did like a gay lap dance yeah. with Satan or something. Oh, yeah. And got all the... Sure. Well, then there's the other guy who put like a, a drop of blood in his sneakers. Like he had these, he had his own sneaker line and he had like a drop of blood in the tongue or something like that. And it was... That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, but I, yeah. I want to know more about it. Well, you know, I mean, you, you go back to... Uh, I, I don't know who. I mean, obviously, you've got Suicide Solution with Ozzy Osbourne. You have Frank Zappa doing all the the paranormal whatever things. You've got NWA. You've got Gigi Allen. You've got the DC Hardcore, all this stuff. But it just feels like once streaming music comes into into the picture, corporate music comes into the picture, boy bands come into the picture, just all this pop music, the 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 vehicle for dangerous music to get around has been stifled to some, some degree. Although I guess it's not like minor threat was playing on the radio back in the day anyway, or, or bad brains. I, I don't know, man, there's going to be some new medium. Someone's going to break something. It It's a cycle. It comes in waves. It's like a sine wave, right? I'm waiting for the new stuff because like you mentioned, I, you know, for me, grunge was the last one, you know, I haven't really been too, I mean, I love music and there's a bunch of new great music that I love, but as far as a movement, uh, you know, I haven't felt like I've seen that in 20 or 30 years, um, but maybe that's just cause I'm getting older and I'm not a part of it. So I don't know. I don't know either. I can tell you who, what I think is really cool right now is the, the story of the Linda Lindis. Yeah. I just, I, I've, so you got to tell me about this story cause I've only seen this coming up recently. So <laughs> these, uh, so I don't know if I can get the exact timeline right, but it started out with it, it's this it's this group uh, a, a punk rock band from Los Angeles of of young women ages. I think the oldest one is sixteen, and I want to say that the youngest one is ten. And they're they're AAPI and and Latinx, right? What's AAPI? <laughs> Asian American Pacific Islander. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, so I just learned something. So, um, and is it still, is it still May? It's still May. It's still right? May. Yeah. It is, it is, uh, AAPI Heritage Month. Oh, really? This month. Yeah. Okay. Well, there and, you go. <clears throat> but, but anyway, back when, remember right before COVID when Bikini Kill did some shows? Uh huh. Bikini Kill had, had the Linda Lindas open for them. Okay. That was one thing. 
cool, right? Didn't Ann's band open for Bikini Kill or try? They were about to, or something? they were about to. Yeah, COVID that's what happened. The show. That's and, what happened. And I really hope they get the chance to do it again. <laughs> well, That'd be so 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 cool. But um, so the Linda Linda's open for Bikini Kill, and then they ended up in that. There's a Netflix movie called Moxie. Okay, that's a that I have not seen. I know it has something to do with with music. Right. I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, and that's all fine and good. Then AAPI Heritage Month arrived, and the Linda Lindas did a set, a like forty five minute set for. AAPI Heritage Month for the Los Angeles Public Library. And that video started getting some attention. But then the library cut out just one song right. out of it. And that song got the attention of Thurston Moore. Oh, wow. And uh, the gatekeepers. Tom Morello. Yeah. Okay. Right. And other people who started sharing it. And now they're on Epitaph Records. That's awesome. And but the song and the video, which you should definitely go watch, and so so should everyone else on here. I'll put it out. I'll put it out today on the podcast. It's called "Racist Sexist Boy." Okay. And just watch it. Okay, I will. And you'll be like, you know what? The kids are all right. Yeah, <laughs> things are going to be okay. Things it's are going to be. Things are getting better. I can feel it. Punk yeah. rock is going to be just fine. That's awesome. Well, I mean, <laughs> not 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 the same, but I I always I I couldn't tell you anything about their music, but I always kind of dug the whole uh, Pussy Riot thing that they you know that they yeah. were doing over oh, over, yeah. over there. I thought that was kind of cool, and so yeah. I mean, I feel like it makes me think of the Svetlanas. You ever seen them? Uh-uh. They're uh, a Russian band, but okay. but much better band sure and uh but they played st pete they played the local 662 okay back i don't know five years ago or something it was right awesome. there's a lot of i've also seen a lot of like um like middle eastern bands and a lot of like acts over there where it's like they're severely oppressed people but there's a a metal band or a punk band or an all gay band or something it's like you know I, to I do that over there is a is a is a big big risk i actually have a friend that i worked with in it i work in it but um my friend Cameron Cameron Bayani is his name. He is an Iranian, but he's an American citizen now. Okay. But he's a very talented singer, and his band was very popular in Iran, but the authorities were after them. When they would do shows, they actually went up on stage with their backs to the audience because... They didn't want pictures of them. Right. Like they don't want to be placed there. And eventually they escaped. He's old. He's older than me. He's, he's like, in his, he's retired by now. Sure. But, uh, he, he escaped, you know, in the seventies or something. It's, it's funny to me that there's parts of the world Crazy. that are so oppressed artistically speaking, what, what's, what's capable of coming out of there that doesn't for whatever reason, you know, I, I was having a conversation with Woody Bond yesterday. He's a drummer for vacancy and he plays like at the job site theater and does a bunch of other stuff, but he teaches uh special. I need. love that theater by the way. Oh yeah. They're doing some, uh, let's say it's a, it's an office spinoff show. Uh, he was explaining it to me last night. 
But in any event, um, he's teaching uh, drums and, and music to special needs children. And he was telling me how they teach it and, and they don't teach it the way you normally teach music. There's a lot of color cor correlation and picking patterns and placing sounds together and doing it visually and, you know, sonically at the same time. And I was, you know, thinking I would love to see special needs music like what that could come up with you know they have these like algorithms that can do a metallica song that doesn't exist or right, these yeah. ai things that put together and there's got to be you know the the brain is so amazing how it works and even with special needs and everything else that there's the potential to come up with a oh absolutely you know whatever it might be an arrangement or whatever that's just new or different and doesn't can't result from a more traditional kind of hierarchical thinking it's something that is spawned from having a, a different perspective on things so i just thought that was really cool and like a that is neat yeah so all right so let's 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 move move the, the ball down the field a little bit so i i'm guessing and you can tell me was the same the, the move from indiana to the keys was that after a relationship ended oh no okay no so after I, job I, ended? I, li I lived all i lived a whole bunch of places sure. actually but uh, so no, Indiana to Seattle, Portland, and then you go back to Indiana, or, or what? No, let's see. I went, I went Olympia, Portland, Seattle, then Indianapolis for a little bit, then Silicon Valley during because the, of your during IT the, thing during the dot com boom, which okay. is a, about the area. It's totally different. That's probably a whole other story. podcast. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and then to Chicago. Oh, really? And then back to Indianapolis. Then Honolulu. Oh, wow. Then back to Indianapolis. Then Key Largo. Then St. Pete. So what brought you from Key Largo to St. Pete? Oh, well, when I, when I went to Key Largo, I was just, I was just going, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to the sun. I'm a sun worshiper now after living in Hawaii as a sun worshiper. I had seasonal affective disorder so bad up north that it was crippling to the point that I couldn't even stand up, mm. couldn't get out of bed and stand up. Yeah. Um, so I had to get away from all that. So I, I went to the Keys and, but the reason I went to the Keys was because I just looked at the map and went, where's the biggest city? Okay, Miami. That's probably where the most IT work is. That was a wrong assumption. The most IT work is Tampa Bay. Really? I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, wow. Really. I didn't know that at the time. But the job I had currently at the time, I could keep yeah. while I moved. Right. So I was like, since I think I'll end up in Miami, why don't I go live in the Keys for six months and fuck around and make friends and and... I'll know I know people in Miami go to the keys on the weekend. I'll have the keys all dialed in. Sure. You know, so I did that. I started looking for jobs in Miami and I realized, I realized that while I like Miami for things, I sure as fuck don't want to live there. Yeah. <laughs> the, it's a different the, world. The driving, just the driving is insane. And I've lived in some insane driving places, but that place takes the cake. I just remember <laughs> Miami. The first time I went to Miami was in the height of Miami Vice. 
And I just, I was positive that there was going to be an Uzi shootout at any minute. I just, you know, something's going to happen. Something's going to go down. That's all that happens in my, that was my sole understanding of Miami. And subsequently seeing like cocaine cowboys and all these documentaries about how much architecture was the result of the drug trade coming through there. Oh my it's God. Definitely a interesting to this history day. there. Yeah. yeah. To this day. But yeah. So. I, when I when I realized I wasn't interested in Miami, I, I was also interviewing in places in Tampa Bay, and I wasn't going to look at Orlando. I wanted to be by the water, and St. Pete was not even on my radar. I didn't know anything about it other than as a tourist, I'd been to St. Pete Beach, which, as we know, has nothing to do with what yeah, St. Pete yeah, actually different is. Worlds, yeah. Different worlds, and. Uh, um, so what year are we I, talking now? 2014. Okay. So I get to town, you know, I had my interview. It was right downtown, right next to Al Lang stadium. I'm yeah. like, this place is fucking beautiful. This is fucking awesome. I discovered the Emerald bar. Uh -huh. like, okay. Uh -huh. All right. It's and like I, the hub for St. Pete. Yeah. At, I look at FUBAR. I find FUBAR and local 662. I'm like, this, this town has two punk bars putting on shows next door to each other. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. okay. And I'm getting more hype. So I took the job and I looked for my first show and my first show here in St. Pete was the 50th anniversary of the Emerald party headlined by car bomb driver. Oh, wow. And I, I stood up front during car bomb driver and I was like, yep. I'm home. Yeah, this, this is where is I need to be. <laughs> I belong here. Did you ever go to the Burgatory shows when they were over there? The like little festival that they did between those two bars was put on by the guys, the Wolf Face. But between what two bars? I think it was. I think it was Foo Bar and then right next. Yeah, they would. They would like Burgatory. alternate show times. They only did it for like I, three years. But I don't, I don't, it doesn't sound familiar. They're actually so. talking about starting do, to do it again, which I think would be rad. Um, yeah. So, okay. so 2014. So St. Pete was already cool by 2014. See, I grew up in St. Pete. So I lived there since 75 and it didn't get cool until I moved away yeah, from word, Pete. word on the street when I got there in 2014 was it's just gotten cool the last two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. It was all halfway houses and just boring ass. The, the, well, the great thing is the skateboarders, parking garages everywhere. So that's what you do. You used to do right. when I was a kid is we go down there and just bomb parking garages. And this was before they got wise and started putting notches on all the parking stops and on all the rails. And so it was just a blast down there and the cops were never, they didn't even, it was just untouched. And then they start talking about bringing uh, the Chicago White Sox to town. And I remember there was all, you can still find like St. Pete White Sox shirt. Like they were selling paraphernalia because <laughs> they were supposed to bring them to town. Yeah. That fell through. Um, they get the raise and that doesn't do what they hoped it would do. Uh, and then just, it's funny because right, because I was a bartender. I used to bartend at the old Cha-Cha Coconuts at the pier before they tore down the pier. And uh, yeah, the old pier was still here when I got here. I used to ride my bike on it. It was bad. I haven't been in the new pier. It was but, closed. You know, nothing oh, was yeah, open, yeah. but you could still ride your bike out there. So I was a bartender at that when it was still open and it was nuts because it's funny. We used to have people that would run out on their bill all the time and we loved it because they'd run out. On, it's funny. It's like, uh, where are they going to go? Swimming? Well, it's just, well, so it's like, uh, what's what, what movie is it? 
Ocean's Eleven or what is it where it's like you robbed a casino, but you're still in fucking Las Vegas. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the way it was with the pier. It's like, okay, you just ran out of your pill, but you still got to get a mile inshore before you're, you're not like contained. And what the best part of it was, is we had to deal with the valet drivers. So literally if someone ran out of a bill, we'd come down and whosever car they were going to park, like get in and we'd run down and get them. And so, but it was funny because at the top there, there was like six different ways out of the restaurant. There was like elevators on three sides. There were stairwells. There was all these, we had like 10 cent wing nights and all this stuff. And people would come in and just order, 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 and then run out. And so it was a constant thing. That was, that was oh, crazy. But that was, that was right when it started to pick up. And on central, we had Bootius Maximus and like the silver King. And all this was just the very earliest mm-hmm. stages. And now I go there. And so I grew up there. Both my parents were there and I knew it like the back of my hand, but now I go over there and I feel like a fucking foreigner. Like it's just grown so much. There's so much stuff there. You know, the, the central, it's going like out to the beach now. Like you're getting blocks and blocks out right, that way. Right. So the new, the new spot. So downtown, so downtown, right? Downtown St. Pete. Let's just call that Beach Drive 2 now. Okay. If as long as. Yeah, explain. You know, this is what I want. Not, this is what I want. Give me a, give me a, a tour of St. Pete, got, present day St. Pete. You got the Emerald Ben's, Steve's Tavern. That's the trifecta that's. Do you know the Witch Finger show at the Ben's? Frankie and the Witch Fingers. No. Oh, this was like a, this is before COVID, but it was amazing because I think that place's occupancy is like 50 people and they had like thousands of people that came to that show. Oh, I put on plenty of yeah. packed shows at the Ben's. I don't think it's hard to pack so it, the Ben's out, but still. It's a, it's a very good place to have a show though. It's, it's a. Well, I want to hear about all, I want to hear about every show you put on there. But anyway, okay, <laughs> give me give me give me a tour of present uh, day St. Pete. Present day St. Pete. So you know you got, like I said Emerald Benz, Steve's Tavern, um, down downtown. You know you've still got Janice live to see shows at. Who's got my knocked loose Gojira tickets? Uh, Floridian Social Club. Have you been in that yet? I haven't went in yet, but. I can read show postings as well as anyone. Yeah. I can see what they're doing there. You know, that's not for us anymore. Yeah. And in fact, I doubt they want us there. So, right. Um, you know. So I, I, the last show I did there was uh, Dillinger Escape Plan's farewell tour there. And, and if that was the last show I went to there, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. Um, that was pretty, pretty epic, but I, I don't know what the thinking is because that was such a, can't say what my last show was there. Maybe suicidal tendencies. Yeah, yeah. I can say what my best show was there. Okay, and, and no one else should compare my best show with their best show because I'm not from here. Right. I've only, I've only had a few sure. years to go sure. to the state theater, but the best show I saw there was definitely Mill and Colin. Okay. The British. I remember Mill and Colin very well. Yeah. I, it was electric in that place. Yeah. That night, man, St. Pete was all about it. Yeah. All about it. Yeah. That was but a really good it, It's never the ones that you expect. Um, you know, I, I, I remember. And I didn't expect that. I didn't know St. Pete like Mill and Colin that much. I thought they were kind of obscure or something, right. but no. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's their, that's their uh, crowd. So as you go further out, is it, is there venues opening up as you go further out towards the beach or. Right. So you got, if, if you go from basically the water to around. 8th Street, that's downtown. Yeah. And then 8th to like about where 275 crosses yeah. Central yeah. is 
the edge district. Okay. And I don't think there's any venues in there. They used to have Grand Island. Slam, which was right by the overpass, which would have been a perfect concert venue, but I don't even know if they haven't demolished that by now. Well, there's that. There's the. It used to be a theater. There's a huge theater there that's, that's still probably, there yeah. that's for sale. And that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, but then the next district over, which is everything on the other side, around 18th to about 30th, where Punky's Bar is, that's Grant, the Grand Central District. That's where it's at. Now. Right. That's the that's that's where new stuff is happening in St. Pete. Okay. Right? You've got you've got the Wild Child Restaurant, which is owned by uh, Matt Kay that owns the Benz. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's their offshoot. That thing is exploding, doing super super well. Um, and then you've got uh, the St. Pete side lot, which is this. It was just an empty lot next door to to uh, Three Daughters Brewery. What was the empty lot right across from Red Mesa? They used to put on. Uh, you could, okay. You anyway, me. go ahead. You got me. Go ahead. But the St. Pete side lot, like there's a show there tonight. Who's they, playing? They uh, uh, Twisty Chris and the Pudding Packs, and then <laughs> some some uh, some kind of country band from Alabama. I don't okay. know exactly what it is, but, but it's this, it was just an empty side lot and they were having markets out of there. Right. Right. But the, the, the markets have, were doing well. And then, you know, during COVID while they were closed, they did a bunch of cool stuff in there. Yeah. They put a really cool, big outdoor stage in there. So it's definitely, it's an outdoor venue. I- Right. And they've been having a lot of bands, but not our kind of bands. But I don't know. I don't know exactly. Like, I don't have enough information. That was a that was a big dream of mine. I talked to that a lot to a lot of different people is, you know, I, I really got into the whole Queens of the Stone Age, the whole desert rock thing. And they used to do the generator parties out there on COVID. And it was like, we got to figure out a way to do generator parties here and do them in like Lutz or Ocala or, you know, just <laughs> right. just find some big ass. And, and then when uh the 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 Dave Chappelle stand up 846 that was about George Floyd. He did like the first stand up that was mm-hmm. outdoors. He did it on farm and it was generators and socially distanced tables and all this stuff. Well, he lives out in the country. Well, right. Iowa, right. Well, plus yeah. he's a squillionaire and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. But right. still, yeah, I was yeah. like, you School know, little. just the generator and some amps and just play and do, you know, kind of go back to, to those days and do it. I mean, we've got enough you know, backwoodsy places that you could, you know, get, get some songs out before it got shut down. Yeah. Did you see the I video of that concert they did the under the overpass way. in California that like, it was like thousands of people there and the cops had to, it was like a riot. This is just no. recently Elliot was showing me this. I'll have to find that video and send it. Well, you heard what, what they were doing. Uh, now this is like a totally different scene. Like, I don't even know how to, quote label the scene but they're like electronic music people like edm people this was pre right before the pandemic okay you know right before the pandemic for a while they were doing these like illegal raves at in the middle of the night at the um park off the sunshine skyway really they were they were doing them back in like if you take that first the state park yeah. on the skyway and you know if you if you go right and you don't go in the parking area and you go back in there and there's all those like 
kayak launches right. and stuff. Right. They were raving back there like five in the morning, six in the morning. Well, there's some dangerous and music for you. There's some dangerous scenes. There you go. You got sharks and you got, you know, yeah, needles no, on the beach and you know, no cops. <laughs> and no and cops. And, you know, whatever. Flor- a bunch of Florida men running around drunk yeah. and fucked up. So, yeah, yeah, probably piles of fucking drugs and all everything else. So since you've been in since you've been in St. Pete, have you played in, in bands? Have you had any acts going here or has it been more no, of the promotion no, type deal? Just promotion. So how so it was was that was St. Pete, Tampa the first place you started doing that? How'd you get the idea for that? Um well I'd done it I'd never done it as a promoter, full on promoter, but I'd been in bands and I was the, always the guy in my band that was the mouthpiece that went and got us shows. So you kind of understood the inner workings. Of it. I would put on shows, you know, I would find other bands to go with us and put on a show somewhere. I'd find a bar that wanted to play a show. So I did that, you know, just like little stuff like that. Right. But then, you know, uh, let's see, was it local 662 closed? And we're like, oh, great. How long before food bar closes? I think I got... I think I, I think I was able to do two shows at Fubar right, right before they closed when I when I started when I started doing stuff. But I just I just decided I wanted to chip in. That was all. Yeah. No, I get that. I mean, I, that's so. Do you know Sean O'Brien from Broken Mold? He he does a lot of the booking and promotion stuff over here. I I know Broken Mold. But okay. I don't think I know Sean personally. He used to be partners with Joe DeCunto and the other guy. I forget what the third guy's name is. I always forget the third guy. But in any event, I've, I've been really interested in 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 that here. Punk shows, hardcore music. You know, I've had this idea to write a hardcore book about the Florida hardcore corridor, you know, North, Central and yeah. South Florida over the past 30 years because there's such a rich history to that type of music here in Florida. And I don't think Florida ever gets its do as a scene for that type of stuff. Um, so I, you know, in any event, um, so in, in promoting, uh, you know, I want to kind of talk a little bit more before we get to the, your, your more recent news, but tell tell me about some of the shows that you put on over there or some of the uh, bigger ticket ones, your favorite ones. Well, I, one of my favorite ones was not even at my usual venue. It was at lucky you tattoo. Okay. And I and it, I lucked into it because a friend that had the show and instead was unable to do it. Right. And I and I was thrilled to do it. And that was a Radon show. Okay. And do you know who Radon is? I don't. So Radon, <laughs> Radon is this really cool band from Gainesville. Okay. And I'm sure you know about the Gainesville music scene. I have a How book about it. Against, yeah. Against <laughs> me and Hot Water Music. Sure. And stuff. Sure. All yeah. Came out of there. Well. Guess who all those bands were watching and decided to jump in a band? I'm going to guess Radon. That's right. Yeah. Well, there so you go. They, they, I mean, get referenced by all those bands sure. at the time as an influence and, and whatever. You know, I guess it was bad timing or, 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 you know, whatever that they didn't end up being. Like they're the exodus to everybody else's Metallica. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And they still, they still play fest every year. And if you go, go, 
go check the radar. I, I got my wristband. Bed. I'm stoked. I'm it'll, it'll probably be late at night on Sunday, and it'll be one of the most wild things you see. At oh wow, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, that is that's a, that's a definitely a, a, a show to to talk about. Um, so let's let's kind of skip ahead a little bit to kind of what's going on with you recently. So at, at some point, you had the idea to book a show that had a kind of a unique. Um, what do you want to call it? Uh, vaccine component. A vaccine component. That's, that's what that's what Adam Turkle, who is the Adam Turkle, is the flyer artist who who did the flyer. But he's much more than a flyer artist. He does all kinds of artwork. He's done all kind. Of, he's done flyers for like Alice Cooper, flyers for the Dam. Oh wow! Like, yeah, quite accomplished. Yeah, yeah, he's quite a, quite accomplished. And uh, so tell me about this show. That's like how, that's how he's been. Posting, he's like, this one has a unique vaccine component. I'm like, I like that. I don't want to use that. That almost sounds, yeah, that, that almost sounds like a, a prog, a prog record title, or like King Crimson would call a record, you know, unique vaccine component. Yeah, right. or a Steely Dan song or something. But uh, so, uh, tell me, so educate me a little bit because I, I I don't know this. So. It, walk me through just real quickly from there not being an idea to, of, for a show to a show having happened. Do okay. you do you do you put the card together, or does a band reach out to you and say, "Hey, we want to play," or like, how does it how does that work out? How does it work in general, or how to work this time? Well, let's do both. Let's do in general, and then we'll go to this time. Um, in general, with bands this big. You got me. Yeah. You have just to ask Chewy, Chewy or someone that's got more experience sure. doing, it, doing the bigger bands than me. Right. But um, uh, I can tell you how it happened this time. Okay. Well, let's do done. that. Sure. So I happened to notice that uh, Toby Jag, which is the, he's from Red Scare Industries, which is the record label. Has okay. a lot of, a lot of uh, these bigger punk bands on it. And, and, um, He's a senior agent at Atomic Music Group, had posted somewhere on Facebook, I can't remember exactly where he saw it, that Brendan Kelly was considering doing a tour and wondered if anyone thought that was a good idea or not. Right. (laughs) Basically, because it was at the point where like, are we going to be able to do this? Yeah, still a thing. Are we going to make his shows happen again? And, you know he's obviously being very trying to be very safe and and whatever too. And I saw that and I'm a huge Lawrence arms fan. I love Lawrence arms. I love Brendan Kelly's solo stuff. I love the Falcon. He's also the lead singer in that. I'm like seeing this and I'm like, okay, maybe I haven't done shows like this before, but I really, really, really want to try and do this. Right. (laughs) So I, I reached out, to Toby and started telling him about our setup over at the VFW post 39. And, uh, I was thinking, okay, um, if I try, if I try to do a show like this and it's outside or some like one quarter attendance fucking thing or whatever, I can't afford it. Right. It's going to flop. Right. You know, if I try and do it, I would never try to do it unsafely, you know, because I'm, I'm all over that. You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Yeah. I'm like, there's no way I would do an unsafe, unsafe show. Not in a million, not for any reason. And I'm thinking, man, how could I do this safely? 
And I came up with the idea of, okay, we can let only let vaccinated people in, which, you know, that's not some new idea. I sure. Think with lots of people are, are saying that. Right. But I had to think of they're trying really hard to make sure we can't do that here. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Government's trying to make sure we can't do that in Florida. Yeah. And um, I also knew that if I didn't get it, I know it's definitely a risk, but I knew if I didn't get it right, we'd be pilloried. Right. Be, yeah. Yeah. Be, that'd be it for, for doing something awful. And so I'm talking to Toby about this idea and Toby's like, this is, this sounds kind of crazy. I mean, and he, but the cool thing is, is he's kind of crazy too. So <laughs> was a perfect idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's like, mm, sounds half cocked. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so we started gearing up for this Brendan Kelly show and then it wouldn't, it didn't look like now where, you know, that by the middle of August, we're probably good. Yeah. It's totally, totally good. Right. So <clears throat> we didn't know that yet, but then Toby just comes back to me. He's like, the more I hear about this wacky idea, the more I kind of like it. What it he's like, uh, you'd only have about a week to, slap this together before the tour announcement, but would you be interested in doing this with Teenage Bottle Rocket? And I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. Like, That's even better. That Less time to better. stress over it. Yeah. Well, no, well, I wouldn't, that's not why I thought it was better. I thought that my vaccine idea made more sense sure. in that time frame. Yeah. And I was like, but yeah, fuck yeah. And it was super stressful to make it happen in a week. Right. Like, like, I don't know how to sell tickets online. That's yeah. where I'm starting from. Yeah. And in a week I have to have a ticket store up launching in time with the tour announcement, throw out an idea that the scene doesn't pillory me for. Right. And figure out a way to work around a government that's trying to actively, yeah. actively make sure I can't do this. Sure. And, and it's pretty funny because <laughs> All the COVID idiot, anti-vax, COVID denying freak shows are like, assume that I haven't thought any of this through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're sending me all kinds of silly threats. Oh, you know, you're violating the governor's new law of $5,000 per person. And, and if you sell 250 tickets times five, that's a million dollars. Yeah. And oh, by the way, my... Right wing redneck ass that doesn't know anything about from anything. a fucking hole in the ground has decided to let you know that this is in fact not punk. I checked, I looked up punk, and it says that that this isn't it. Yeah, they literally say shit like that, and I'm Fuck. like, okay, send a spam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you got any threats? Um, so when the creative loafing story went out, which was timed with the show announcement, sure. And thank you, Ray Roa, Ray Roa, if you're listening. Uh, Better be listening, Ray. <laughs> I know where you Ray, live. Ray huh. is awesome, and he, and and he worked to time that with me. And he's like, "You're," he said, "I was crazy too, but that's cool." Well, <laughs> you know, we started off the show the talking about dangerous music, and here we are. I mean, it may not be the music per se, but the right, you know, the sum of all its parts. Right. Well, so after that, after the creative loafing story went about. Three, 
to five days later. It's all kind of a blur right now. I can't remember. Someone in the anti-vaccine movement got a hold of my phone number. Oh, yeah. And then they, I got signed up for eight gazillion robocalls. It was robocalling me 24-7 oh, every 30 minutes nonstop. I had to get, uh, I won't say out loud which app I'm using to stop them. But, right. Um, you know, I've got a subscription that's. Doing Stop a pretty good job doing of it. A pretty good job of policing it and training their robots. It's just amazing to me that there's there's anybody that interested in you know the the, the counterpoint to get uh, a vaccine. Two hundred person local fucking punk rock show. Yeah. There are people all over this country willing to die to stop us. Sure. <laughs> well, so that's an interesting question. For why? Right. <laughs> like, why? Why do you even give a fuck? I don't, I don't want you to get into specifics for obvious reasons, but I mean, <laughs> did that play at all into your consideration of security and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I can only imagine. So, t- talk about that show a little bit. Um, it sold out? It was almost sold out before it started really getting this attention. Yeah. It's not sold out. Yet there's around 50 tickets. Yeah. I haven't checked lately and I can't. I'm getting a bunch of emails because the other show's selling. Sure. Right now the Brendan Kelly show selling. Did you just announce that this week? This morning. This morning, yeah. Like right okay. before I came over here. Yeah. Very cool. Um, uh, but the Teenage Bottle Rocket show. So we've got, we're closing the street down in front of the VFW. Um, there's there's going to be beer outside for the first time. There's going to be Nod Dog's vegan hot dog cart is going to be set up out there. Um, and we're keeping the street closed because it's also the middle of Pride weekend. It's the last. Oh, wow. It's the last Saturday of Pride. Right. And the VFW is kind of traditionally been the headquarters of Pride. A lot of Pride planning happens inside the VFW. Right. Um, so be, there'll be no parking. There's going to be, it's going to be very hard to park right under the show, but we have the street closed off so the bands can park and the yeah. vendors can park. Um, that's what Uber's for. And so we're keeping the, the, the ticket taking and, and like a basic beer stand and some food and stuff outside to keep the room inside. How do you verify that they're vaccinated? Um, you bring a, you bring your COVID-19 vaccination card okay, and your government issued photo ID. Okay. And we check it. Right. I'm not going to say any more about how we, how we check it. Sure. There's no, but no one's scanning anything. No, there's no HIPAA violation. I work in around regulations like GDPR and, right. HIPAA and stuff right. for a living. Right. I know exactly how that You know where the line works. is. Yeah. Know ex- you know what a HIPAA violation is? A HIPAA violation is me calling your doctor and your doctor giving me the info. Right, right. You volunteering to show me some shit yeah. is in no, not even in the realm of HIPAA violation. You know, it's That's the dumbest fucking thing I've well, ever heard. I have, I have a, and I'll be careful how I talk about this, but I have a, a family member who, uh, you know, is, is, is never flush with money. You know, they're always, they're always in need of money. And evidently at their work, there was something about, uh, if you show us your vaccine card, you get a hundred dollar bonus. And, and 
got all upset. That's a HIPAA violation. All this other stuff. I was like, you need a hundred dollars too much for this to be an issue for you. <laughs> like, and it's also not a HIPAA violation. Well, right. It's similar <laughs> to what you're talking about, but I was just like, I know how much you need a hundred dollars. Like, are you, is this really the hell you want to die on? Like, let, it, let me explain a HIPAA violation. A HIPAA violation is someone else having your private medical records without your and consent. then exposing them to another person without your consent. Yeah. That is not you showing your vaccine Voluntarily, to yeah. Dunkin' Donuts right. to get the free donut, Yeah, which is exactly what this show is. Sure. It's the same thing as that, except it's also a community vaccine drive and apparently caring about having a safe show trying to help your community and maybe trying to get a few kids to go get their shots is the Holocaust. Right. Right. I'm now Hitler, Mussolini and. So Marjorie Taylor Greene's not going to be at the show. Divider. <laughs> <laughs> she might show up. Yeah, I'm not inviting her. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now are they the only person on the card or only band on the card? Or oh, who no, else? No, okay. No, who else is playing? Not. So uh, their label mates from fat records make war. Okay. It's also. Uh, playing. And what's the date of this show? Uh, June 26th. Okay. Saturday. Okay. Um, check out Make War. They're cool. They're up and coming. They're, they're also on Fat Records. This is a fat, these are Fat Records bands. And uh, uh, I posted a video on the Facebook event uh, for this uh, pro BLM protest song they did. That's really cool. You should check it out. I, I'm all about the pro BLM protest <laughs> song. Right. I, I, you know, I, I threw Ray Rowe and another, uh, some connections that I have. I'm representing all of the BLM protesters up in uh, Newport Ritchie. So I, I got them on all their charges and uh, they, they all got cited with this noise ordinance violation, which had pretty much never been used before. And, uh, Years and years and years ago, when I started as a prosecutor over in Pinellas County, my wife, who's also an attorney, she uh, was the prosecutor in all the ordinance violence. Uh, okay. Case, or, I'm sorry, ordinance violation cases. And back at that time, it was it was all strip clubs and stuff that happened out at Gandy Bridge. That was like everybody that was in the hallway. Right. <laughs> and Luke LaRoe and Roger Curlin were the two attorneys who did all the constitutional law stuff. And Curlin's son is Culpepper and Curlin. And Luke LaRoe, do you know who Luke LaRoe is? Uh-huh. He's, he's, he's awesome. He's like a mix between Hunter Thompson's attorney and uh, the guy in uh, Larry Flint. You know, okay. he's like, he's, <laughs> a, he's like a formidable guy. He, he's both a rebel and brilliant at the same time. He's, yeah. he's, he's represented Redner forever. He's just the guy that does this shit. Like he never makes any money because he's always doing it for free, but he goes in and mops up the floor and the Supreme Court does all this stuff. Well, anyways, I got this random call in like 2012, 2011 from people in San Francisco with Uber. And they're like, yeah, a lot of our drivers are getting cited in your town for driving, uh, you know, cars with Uber, but they don't have a taxi medallion and all this other stuff. Uh-huh. Would you be willing to represent them? And at that time I was like, this is my way to be in-house counsel for Uber. They're going to hire me and I'm going to be fucking set. So, <laughs> It turned out they were just like, we're going to pay you the bare minimum to handle traffic citations for our drivers. But in any event, uh, I was like, this this just stinks of, of Luke. So I reached out to him and he came up with this brilliant argument about how the laws for taxis don't apply to the laws for right. And now it's not a problem, but it used to be they were having undercutter cops order Ubers and getting in and citing people. It was crazy. But in any event, <laughs> skipping ahead, uh, I brought him in on the on the 
the uh, BLM protests, and it's him and James Shaw, who's ACLU guy, and he does a lot of stuff with Ray, and then Lori Chain, who's an attorney up there. She was she uh, she was an attorney for uh, Eileen Warnos and uh, is it Bobby Joe Long, like the two most famous local serial killers. Oh boy! Um, and then so, but anyways, they 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 went through the ordinance, and there's a whole portion of the ordinance that references paragraphs that they never wrote. So it references like a paragraph A and B that they never got around to writing. And so basically the ordinance was void on its face <laughs> yeah, right. and got them all thrown out. But what's crazy is the two people that I still have are charged with resisting arrests for the ordinances that ended up getting thrown out because they were bogus. One, uh, Christina Bonetta wouldn't sign the citation they tried to issue her, that the citation's been thrown out. And then Marlo Jones got cited for resisting arrest of violence because they tackled a security person who had a gun on him. And so it's, it's, it's crazy. So we're getting, you know, we're talking about dangerous music and it's the environment is so ripe. Like, you know, we've got our Vietnam, we've got our Kent state, we've got our, you know, racism. We've, I mean, we've got, I mean, craziest times as we've had in the past hundred years. And I'm just waiting for, you know, the, the levy to break, but maybe it is. And I'm just not looking in the right places. So, I don't know. but I like hearing about bands like make war and, and these other and, people that, and, and St. Pete, uh, Local St. Pete band Rudderkin that's opening. This sure, show. Ryan's been on the show. He's a wolf you know, face. Rud- yeah, yeah, he's a yeah. wolf face. Rudderkin is awesome. I love those guys. I love their uh, guided by voices cover that they did just recently. Oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. pretty badass. And they've done a, a bunch of great shows for me. And he's he's done some stuff at the Benz, right? I I, I think uh, Ryan was involved with sound at the Benz. My, my yeah, worked yeah. There. Ryan Ryan's the backup sound engineer. At okay, the Benz. there you uh, go. Morgan uh, Saltz. I think that's how you say his last name is the main is the main sound guy. And he ran that, uh, or he was one of the people running that crazy cool underground venue that finally, I was surprised they lasted as long as they did, but finally got shut down by the city right before COVID called paper crane. Okay. I I never heard of it. No. Oh man. That was a, Really cool. I'm only recently no cool people. You know, I, I've been a dad and a, and a lawyer for too long. But yeah, I understand that. Um, so, so this this whole teenage bottle rock. I mean, you've got CNN calling you. You've got ABC calling you. You've, I mean, you've got. Yeah, there's a bunch of shit I haven't even looked at. Yeah, sitting in my inbox. And and so, have you talked to any of them yet? Didn't you? you well, t- I talked to local. Uh, uh, Local ABC Action News right here, and they had it with Adam Walzer. They did an I Team Investigates thing. This this lady that had gotten upset on Facebook about the show, and I'd even talked to her on Facebook. She got upset that it just wasn't fair, and uh, she called the news. She's a big teenage bottle rocket fan. She she's got all their albums and gone all their shows. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it's not. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, um, you know, and the Adam from the news thought it was a story Yeah, and he, so he asked if I wanted to interview, but I'm working. I'm like, at first I was like, man, do I want to respond to this stuff? And then I was like, if I don't, then she sets the whole narrative and, sure. and you know, the media is running the show, right? I mean, they're not, you know, I didn't call the media. 
Does your work know about your other life? Um, only my, only my, my, uh, my work partner, Casey. Okay. She's my, uh, we hang out. Work Me wife. Her, her boyfriend hang yeah, out. Yeah. Outside of, outside of work and right. stuff too, you know. Right. She's not into this scene. So she's like into the hippie scene. Right. And we tease each other about it all the time. Yeah. Whatever. She, yeah. she knows about it, but no one else at work does. Gotcha. Although they might by the time I come back. Well, that's, this is what I, that's what I'm wondering about with news stories and everything else. I mean, at some point it's got to make its way in front of somebody's eyeballs. But like, are you asking me? Cause do you think I'm, are you asking me if I'm concerned that if my work? Oh, I can tell you problem? that I can tell you from sitting with you for the past 45 minutes that you're not concerned at all. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm a decent judge of character and, and, and no, I'm not. Uh, every, any lawyer I ever met is a better judge of character than almost anyone else. <laughs> um, so uh, do you have any concerns of DeSantis stepping in or local people stepping in or oh, like, have I thought all that stuff through? Well, I'm sure you've thought all it through, but I guess that's a, that's a, so you, you, you tell me you're the lawyer. Um, have you read the text of the executive order? No. Banning pass vaccine passports. No. So a vaccine passport, right, is it basically says, and you're the lawyer, so I'm paraphrasing. So please read it later and tell me if you sure. think I'm out of whack here. Sure. But the 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 anti-vaccine passport executive order basically says uh, that if I violate it, I'll no longer be able to get contracts with the state of Florida. Okay. Oh, darn. And that's such a big part of your business that it's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. What business is that? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just me. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. But, um, the, now the law, the new law, that's a different thing. Right. That one, it says the text is extremely similar. Very. And it's very short. It was part of a big, much bigger law, right? I'm right. Sure you're, you're, yeah, I'm sure you've seen. We will, I, I am well versed in how well written and yeah. the uh, <laughs> forward thinking they all are. And I'll definitely be interested in your opinion if you check it out later. Um, but it, it it says more or less the same thing, but with the added penalty. It doesn't. It, the added penalty of if you deny someone entry. Mm-hmm. If you force someone to show you their vaccine proof of getting a vaccine and deny them entry based on them not showing it to you, then they will then they will charge you five thousand dollars per person that you do that with. So then the question becomes, is a different price for people who don't show it to you denying them access or not? I'm not denying anyone access. Sure. I, you I mean, can buy the full price. Right. <laughs> or you can get a reduced rate. Or ticket. you can get a, a discount. Well, here's what I, here's, here's now, now here's my argument for what one, I'm not sure who the government is to say what my prices should be. Because right. do they know my clientele or do I know my customers? Right. Right. Isn't I a think better I position. know my customers. And I know that if some of those tickets sell, a good number of my patrons may not show. I have a contract with the band. Whether the show happens or not, I'm paying the band. I right. can pay the band the full amount. Right. Right. If someone, some Yahoo shows up and scares half my crowd away, they got to pay for it. Right. 
right? Yeah. So yes, that argument could happen. But there's another one that I've been keeping under wraps. And I definitely don't tell all the whiners that are attacking me with the governor's going to get you with his new anti-vaccine passport law. And it's going to cost you $1 million. Is that law doesn't go into effect until a week after the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's under the wire. Exactly. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, and and one, I got to tell you one other little thing about that. I, when I announced the show, I didn't know he, I knew he was going to do the law. I didn't know when. Right. And I couldn't see that. I didn't know the text of the law. Sure. But I knew it would be very similar to the executive order. Right. So I was willing to make the risk. Right. And at the same time I announced the show, I was like, okay, I'm, even though I'm saying everyone's vaccinated and whatever, I'm still violating uh, the restrictions in St. Pete. Right. Which was risking a $500 fine. I'm like, if I take a $500 hit, I can survive that. So it was willing, I was willing to risk, willing to risk. Still that positive. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's the, here's the funny serendipity thing that happened. The tour announcement, the launch on creative loafing and, and me making the tickets live and putting the show out there live happened at 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. At 10.15 a.m. that same Monday morning in St. Pete <laughs> at uh, the the big catch right. in St. Pete, the governor ended all COVID restrictions, taking away my possibility of a $500 fine right. and signed his new passport law into effect. But it doesn't go into effect until a week after the show God's- happened 15. 15- minutes later in the same town the gods and then are you yeah. filming this thing i hope you have a crew filming this uh i michael sinclair I you're, you're getting it. called to the front of the room i thought about it or whatever but you know that's all i have to clear that with fat records publicist and teenage bottle rocket and all I, of i'm almost not even thinking about the bands i'm thinking about everything but the bands, you know, just the scene, you know, oh, just outside. Well, I mean, just to see who's there, see what they say. Is there protests? Is there, you know, what's, what goes on? Shouldn't I mean, the news do that. Well, I got my hands full. Well, man. but it's a, it's a, it's a document. It's a time. It's a thing, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you know, we got to get Dave Decker out there taking pictures with his gas mask Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. I get already my, told Ray, you want, you want me tell me when you want me to put Dave on the list. I told him he that. took his gas mask. Do you, you see that nail in the corner? That's where his, That's where gas, his gas mask, mask that he would, that he took to DC and to Portland and all these other places. Yeah. So are, are these the only two shows you got on the books right now? Or do you have more stuff coming up or those are the, those are the two I have on the books right now and on average how many do you do not we'll take COVID out of the picture like how many do you do a year oh god man maybe pre-covid maybe 20 oh wow okay maybe sometimes i do two at least once a month but there were several months where i had two Right. So you're working full time in IT and then you're doing this, too. So you're working Mm -hmm. 80 hours a week. Easy. Kind of. But the show part, even though it can be stressful, is a passion. Right. 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 
You get was, to know people. It was work to drive over here, but I'm thoroughly enjoying hanging out. Well, good. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I, I've always, I, a buddy that I went to high school with, uh, Pat Clemowish, he's a, like a world-class paddle boarder. He's a doctor over there. And for a minute, he was the multi-instrumentalist for the hip abduction. who was like a big St. Pete kind of yeah. world music band. And he's, the, heard of them, yeah. so uh, I, I wanted to have him on because I remember him from high school. He's this real quiet kind of nebbish guy. Now he looks like fucking Thor. He's like six foot five and he's yoked and he's an Harvard graduate and speaks <laughs> Portuguese and plays the Kamali Ningoni and all these other things. And he's just like, I feel awful about myself. And anyway, I, I texted him the, ad, the address and I said, yeah, it's 3302 North florida avenue and so he texted me he said i'm here i was like i'm looking out front and i'll see you and i looked i was like oh fuck and i sent him all the way to bush gardens from like treasure island oh, like he went all the way out there and luckily he didn't he didn't you know i gotta i gotta got tell you you can't i had to drive around three or four times to find the place because you can't see the address going by on oh I, I uber eats <laughs> uber eats and all of our package people leave packages on all corners and yeah <laughs> when i bought this building uh did you ever hear about the serial killer that was around here locally the kid that was shooting people at bus stops and all yeah. that other stuff oh, so yeah. so that was going full speed when i bought this office and no one would come to my office uh, you know it was, yeah because they don't want to is this neighborhood right? well just a little seminal heights, so seminal a little heights north but i mean yeah. two minutes north of here i don't know so, well so well, I'm super stoked for the show. I'm kind of excited to hear that there's tickets left. Now I got to ask my wife if I can have the night off just to get out there because I want to see it all. But um, it's really cool what you're doing. I love that you're you're out there, that you're doing these things, that you're bringing this music to the people in my hometown of St. Pete. I I, I, I want to become a St. Pete boy again. I got to figure out a way to get over there more. I lost both my parents in 18 and 19, and they were the, my draw to always Sorry, come over there. I appreciate it. But I would I would be over there once every other week but now it's pretty much just a stop at planet retro to pick up some some vinyl right you know you know but the, the courts are starting to go back in session where the judges are telling us starting in july they're going to start wanting us back in the courtroom so i'll be down there by mirror lake more and okay. kind of hang out and figure out what's going on well I, I i can't wait to see what happens with this i mean I'm, I'm hoping for a great success i'm hoping to shove it down the throat of all the anti-vaxxers and you know your success as well and and i just wanted to get some kids to get vaccinated and hug my friends at a punk rock show inside like and that's what it's all about right that's, that's what it's all about i mean if if if, if god's on your side who can be against you and i'm, I'm not a believer but you, you get you, 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 you get my meaning <laughs> but uh before you go a couple questions that just came to mind i always like to ask people for the music is first concert best concert uh who was your first show that you went to Kiss. Kiss. You mentioned yeah, that. Kiss, Kiss with Ted, Ted Nugent. Nugent. And I'll then who was your you, best? I'll, I'll, fill, I'll fill you in the second show. Okay. Hank Williams Jr. Well, oh, so. I didn't even like Hank Williams Jr. Okay. Even though I did like Hank Williams. Well, it's 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 like every other generation. You got Hank, then you got Junior, then you got three, and now yeah, I like two. Hank Senior and Hank three. three. Now his son's going to be some Trumper d- douchebag, and then we'll, right, we'll keep yeah, going. Right, we'll yeah, keep yeah, going, yeah. going yeah. after that. Well, who is it? I just saw my wife. So I was, I have this story I tell all the time. I, you know, I had tickets like fourth row to see Tom Petty the last time he played here before he died. And, uh, I, 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 I figured out this trick for, I was at that show. I'm a huge Tom Petty fan. I've seen him six times, I think. So this is, I'll start crying. So I had tickets and my wife's cousin, sends out a fucking wedding invite and wants our kids to be in it. And it's that Saturday. And I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You've got to be fucking kidding me. And I was like trying to like, babe, can I, 
is there any way I can beg off or whatever? She's like, yeah, but our, you know, our kids are and all this other stuff. It's like, all right, fine. So I gave the ticket away and my buddy went, had a fucking blast. He bought me a t-shirt. So I have that. Uh, but he's like, yeah, they played for like four hours. He played everything. It was brilliant. It was the fucking best thing ever. And then he dies like four months later. And I was just like, every time I saw Tom Petty, it's like never second guess Tom Petty's choice in an opening act. Yeah. Tell me about some of the opening acts. Um, nobody knew who they were. Never heard of them. Drive by truckers. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, God, I want to see, I went and saw him the time last before last I saw him was in, I was in the Keys. Okay. And I went to see him in West Palm Beach. And he opened up with someone, I'm trying to remember who it was. It was someone from that, that was very popular in the 80s. And I didn't like them in the 80s. And they didn't even play any of their stuff from then. And they were way better than I expected. And it blew my mind. Hmm. It was like, Steve Winwood. I'll tell you what, one of the best shows my wife and I ever went to was Brian Adams out in Coachman Park. Really? We sat in the front fucking row. It was the, one of the best shows. It's always that. Like, Brian Adams was a brilliant show. We went and saw the outfield in law school at Janice Landing. It was fun. It was just like, had the most fun ever. And it's like, so not my movie. We went and saw, you know, Kenny Loggins and Holland Oates at Ruth Eckert Hall. It was just like these lame shows, but. Okay. Okay. Here's one. I, I, and I, the, the best, best concert. I mean, come on. There's never, I can't do that. I can't even. Well, but I, I mean, you're not going to. But, but ones that stand out in my mind. Yeah. Uh, recent as being like an epic. Yeah. Thing that you knew something special was happening. Yeah. Was, was the first time in 20 years jawbreaker reunion at Riot Fest. Yeah. Uh, they come up a lot on this show. They have, there's, there's all sorts of strange connections and obviously inspiration for a lot of people. Well, hey, you know, what was funny about that, that riot fest. And this just, this tells you something about St. Pete. So I'm in Chicago, right? About two hours from where I'm from, Indianapolis, a city much bigger than St. Pete. Right. And it's not bigger than the Tampa Bay region. Yeah. It's, it's the city. Than, yeah. It's the 13th biggest city in, America. So it's not a tiny town. And, you know, I'm like, cool, I'm going to see a bunch of my homies. I'm going to see a bunch of my punk rock homies from, from Indiana. Cause I'm only two hours away. It's riot fest, you right. know, whatever. I saw three of my friends from Indianapolis. And then <laughs> was it Sunday morning? Uh, my friend Pauline, who's the wife of Chad, who's a drummer in Low Season. I don't know if you know that band. I do, low yeah. Season. Didn't they so, just play with uh, the Path and Path of Increased? Yeah, I was yeah. that, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, so Pauline was like, hey, we got to meet it at Grant Fountain. I'm getting the St. The Saint Pete people that came up here to Riot Fest, the ones that I know of, right? to, to meet us at, at Grant Fountain, which is this the famous fountain in in downtown Chicago that's in the opening credits of Married, Married with Children. Children. Yeah. So we were going to get our Married with Children fountain shot of the St. Pete people that went to Riot Fest. So we get there. It's 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Everyone's been partying for multiple days already. Right. And so, of course, some, you know, some people aren't making it, aren't showing up. I told you I saw three of my Indiana friends. Yeah. Right? 
our photo in front of Grant Fountain is like 28 people from St. Pete. And that's the ones that made it at 11 o'clock Sunday. Yeah, that's, over. that's 50% that's not, of who was there. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, 50. Yeah. That's like 60 people or something from St. Pete go up there. And I see three of my friends from two hours away. That's you badass. Know, that's that's badass. So the, but the Jawbreaker show? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I've never seen so many uh, 40-something men cry sing yeah. in unison. Yeah. They were crying yeah. and singing in unison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, that's a good one. That's a good one. I mean, it's hard to pick a best one, but, you know, uh, I, I forget where I was going with the Tom Petty thing, but I had figured out that going solo to shows where they were seated, you can get up a lot closer because there's always that single one-off seat that nobody takes. Absolutely. But uh, my wife recently, she's like, would you like to go to this? And it was, what's the theater that's out in Clearwater? Um, the Billheimer, yeah. Yeah, 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 whatever. So it was a Tom Petty cover band or whatever. Band. Yeah, and they were fucking rad. It was brilliant. Good. I loved it. But it's funny because we were the youngest people there by about 20 or 30 years. It's all, it was just a sea of Tommy Bahama shirts and flip flops and all this stuff. And, um, but it reminds me of one of my favorite Tom Petty time in the Tom Petty timeline where, um, they were losing their original Heartbreakers drummer. This oh, was the this, 90s. Is this the Dave Grohl story? Yeah, you saw yeah. that on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched Dave, that Dave live. Sat in and that, uh, yeah, and that was a, that song, Bumblebee, yeah. is, is Tom Petty's most hard rocking song anyway. Oh, that was, well, that was a, that's a, that's what they call it, an alternative timeline. Yeah. You know how all the comic books have alternative timelines? <laughs> yeah. Because we almost didn't have Foo Fighters. We almost had Dave Grohl playing drums and Tom Petty. Yeah, that would have been, it was, it was something else. And, you know. I saw uh, Will Quinlan at New World Brewery a couple weeks ago and he did a cover of Southern Accents and like everybody in the room was like, you know, tears running down their face and oh, just because yeah. that was my first live show that I had been to since Gasparilla Music Festival 2020. And uh, and I would, you know, I go a couple shows a month um, and it, just being in the face of live music was great. But yeah. my thing has always been and this is a thing I was going to talk to you about is the added hurdle with punk shows, because you can have a Will Quinlan or a Half Gun Will Travel or some of these more kind of singer songwriter americana type shows where people can sit at a table and drink their I cocktail like and watch. what's that i like both of them oh i'm 100 percent. no i fucking my, i took i took five people to see uh have gone two weekends ago at, at new world and none of them knew who they were and they all left like they all like listen to them like religiously now and they played some of their new tracks and i'm i'm excited for what they've got coming but um but with the punk thing, I had talked to Tom DeGeorge because I last Christmas I wanted to do a barely legal show where I had all the bands on. I had Rudderkin, I had Wolfface, I had Vacancy, I had um, Achilles, I had, you know, uh, different people on. He's like, you pick a Saturday and I'll do it for you. And as we got closer, everybody was like, I don't know that it's time yet. I don't know that we can do this yet. And I was like, well, much the same way I don't want to put on an unsafe show. But the other point is I want the show to be fun. Right. You know, and yeah. it's like people standing six feet apart at a punk show. It's like, everybody's going to have their hands in their pockets, like wanting to rage and they can't do it. So, um, I, I pray for, I pray for, you know, this to be a great success. And, and, oh, and for people that have come to the VFW before, there's a couple of new surprise. There'll be a couple of new surprises. They did a lot of work during the pandemic, moving things around inside and kind of redecorating on some things, not the show area so much, but the other parts of the bar. And, uh, we're hoping to have, very likely to have, 
um, VFW post 39, like punk rock style t-shirts. Ooh, for I gotta go to the show and women. That's gonna be like a. Um, I gotta be at the show, man. This also, is gonna be a thing. the logo for that is also being designed by Adam, who did the flyer. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> it'll be cool. Those are gonna be uh, black, either black or army green, and I think we're doing some some uh, uh, girly tanks too. Okay. So um, I'm excited. We'll see, I'm that's, excited. That's that's still in progress. Last thing before I send to send you on your way, and it's anticlimactic, but you mentioned skateboarding. So uh, <laughs> when did you start skateboarding? Oh God! Seventies, eighties. So well, I, I, in the eighties, I was okay. BMX most of the. What was your first? Do you remember your first I, deck? Oh God! I didn't start skateboarding until I was uh, like a junior in high school. Okay, just as a because my so what year would that have been? Skateboarder. Oh God, eighty eight. So was it a Powell Peralta? Was it a Santa Monica Airlines? Was it a GNS? Was it a yeah, okay? It was man. Right. <laughs> I was at first guitars, first first. You know, yeah, I, I had Woody. I remember way more about my bikes than skate. Skating was. Do you have a Haro? Do you have a GT? Do you have a? I had a, I had a GT. I had a Mongoose. I had you know Mongoose is now a department store brand. Mar- yeah, I think GT is now a department the, store brand. I they're lower in, but they're, yeah, but they're still shop level. Yeah. still a shop level bike. Like I'm a mountain biker now, so yeah. I'm still really. You ever been over to Joe Haskins? Joe, uh, the, the bike shop right here. He no. just passed away, so he's a he's a height staple. But they have all those uh, like PF Cruiser and SC the SC bikes, the racing bikes in the back. Mm-hmm. I bought one of those and I had a blast on it. And then I was like, wait a second, I'm forty something years old, and I sold it to my. Well, I've got I've got three bikes. I've got a mountain bike. My other mountain bike and my other other mountain other mountain bike. bike. There, you go. there you go. Do you know Greg Spadicini from Spaddy's Coffee? Uh-uh. He's a huge mountain biker. He loves that stuff. So you know what? I might know him if we both had our helmets on. Probably, yeah, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> got a rec- yeah. In the biking he, world, you don't recognize people with their helmets. Sure, on. Sure. So it's like with masks now. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. like I didn't recognize you with your mask off. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming by. This was a blast. Thanks Maybe I can having. have you come back in after the show. We can kind of do a, a post show wrap up of everything that happened. That sounds like fun. Um, I know other people are seeking your 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 uh, presence to kind of talk on this. So I really do appreciate you giving me the time and kind of giving me dibs uh, over other people. Local local scene first. I appreciate it. And I'm not going to talk about it, but thank you for the Dolly Parton story. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) Uh, Tuck that away in my pocket. And it's a good one, one, but but that's just for me. So thank you so much. I hope your travels back to St. Pete are not too arduous and uh, hope to have you in again. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. 